0: We continue on with our, our teachings from Jesus, and we've covered some good topics, prayer, retaliation, and during Advent, we, we looked at those I Am sayings that Jesus shared to get an, a different take, a little more expansive take on our on our thoughts, and please, go to our website, to our sermon library, and catch up if you desire, and, and we thank Paul for that, and and we encourage any of you who want to be a part of that ministry to uh, speak to Paul and and step forward because we will uh, be most appreciative and will benefit from from that. Today's lesson centers on on something that is a bit unusual for coming out of uh, my mouth after all these years, and and I want to tackle it today with you because I think if we're gonna listen to Jesus' teachings, we we better listen to them all and not just the ones that sound most convenient to uh, the way we like to conduct our lives. (coughs) So today, the notion of proper fear People have a lot of fears in life. Uh, That seems to be true for sure. And recall that Jesus addressed anxiety in his teachings. And earlier on, we've looked at that. We looked at how Jesus talked about the lilies of the field and the sparrows. And again, today he mentions the sparrows. Because people are anxious about how their lives are going. From From kind of a day to day, how are things going? Am I going to get by and And Jesus says, "God is attentive to you you 're in god 's sense of providence that providence supports all living creatures. Uh, as we can be well with each other, we will be well with each other because God is there supporting all of that. so trust in God and stop worrying about whether you're going to get that parking place or whether you have too many calories or not enough or, or whether your outfit is really that old. The fear that's acknowledged in this passage is bigger than worrying. Anxiety has grown into fearfulness, yet Jesus says there really is just one thing worthy of your fearing, and you know what that is? It's God. If you're going to be fearful of anything, be fearful of God. Jesus says. Yikes, I say. So let's take a look at this and see what Jesus is up to. This is part of what's called the missionary discourses in Matthew. And so Jesus is speaking specifically to his disciples, those evangelists who are going out, they're heading out, and they're suffering hardship and persecution in their task of spreading the gospel. They're having a real hard time of it, a difficult time in being evangelists. They are argued with. They are insulted. They are physically threatened. If we've read the epistles, we know that they have been stoned They've been beat up. How many times does Paul say that happened to him? Lots. I look this way cuz they're in Bible study, David, with me on every Wednesday. We've looked at all those epistles. <laughs> yeah, we have forgotten how many times Paul himself. Stephen, do you remember? Lots of times. They've been thrown out of town. They've been thrown in jail. With persecutions, they have been martyred. So, this passage is seen as trying to strengthen those disciples, those evangelists, strengthen and encourage them. None of this world's problems are worthy of your fear, Jesus says. Because none of them can affect your eternal life. Only God can do that. So don't worry. Don't fear persecutions. Don't fear the persecutor, the oppressor. They have no power over the most important thing in life. It's God that has that power. So if you're going to be fearful about anything, be fearful of God. Be fearful of God. So now at, at, at first blush to what Jesus is remembered as saying here, I've got to say that sounds really off. Wait a second, Jesus. Did you really, did you mean to say that? And yet I like what precedes it in that Jesus is giving his followers encouragement to carry on, to, to do what's faithful. I like that. I like that a lot. No matter how the difficulties The disciples are on the right side. They're on the right side of things, and they have God in their corner. God is working on their behalf. Jesus is saying, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind and fight the good fight. You're ushering in a whole new creation, and you're building my kingdom. This is big stuff. Carry on. You can do it. And remember, and remember, if if your path leads to suffering or to to a sacrificial death like mine, Jesus says, be of good courage and not fearful, for God is with you, and God will welcome you into life eternal. Now, that, that sentiment can be very powerful for those who live in difficult circumstances. If you're in the gulag because of your faith, or you're living as an enslaved person, or you're being being treated unjustly or you're you're currently being oppressed by by a neighboring group these words of Jesus will help you buck up and keep you going yet if your life is more one of of comfortable circumstances not involved with persecution or or poverty or martyrdom, then this passage may seem a bit alien. We want to avoid painful stuff, don't we? We want to avoid that kind of stuff. Suffering and and persecutions. Thank you, Jesus. That we're born in the 21st century in America. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, interestingly, if you kind of sit down and you read the whole of this passage, it reveals in a concentrated form what essential life is for the disciple of Christ. And regardless of our status, of being persecuted or not, it seems this kind of stuff that I'm going to read to you is core to all of us. And at one time or another, you've, you've heard it from me in this pulpit or one of my predecessors in this pulpit. First is a confession of God's act in Jesus. Living towards the eschaton, towards the end time, our own and the world's end time, with a concern for mission in the world. Letting go of both material possessions and fear of what others might think about us or do to us, Placing of loyalty in God, right? Revealed in Christ. Above all other loyalties, even the deepest ones of home and family. A life of non-resistance to violence. Trust in God and God's future. All of this is kind of essential to our faith, and all of this we hold one way or another in our soul as as a center point for how we might go about life when we face certain challenges or opportunities. So this passage really ought to speak to us In any circumstance of life, because in all circumstances of life, we should examine ourselves and encourage ourselves to be as deeply faithful as possible. And if hardships arise in doing the greater good that God asks of us, well, then so be it. Our eye is on the prize. And attaining or not attaining the prize is our ultimate goal. Right? Well, or or what is our ultimate goal? As Jesus takes in the expanse of life and and the spiritual well-being of people in life, he notes, we all want to be reconciled to God now. So we are reconciled to God forever. Right? Right? We need to keep our lives in perspective of this, of this long term outcome. As he said, let the wheat and the tares grow together, then when it's harvest time, I'll separate the wheat from the tares. And as he said, the sheep and the goat abide together in the field, yet at, at the end, at the end they are sorted. And we've read these things, we've heard these things, but perhaps we haven't really taken them to their meaning as much as we should. Jesus, though he thinks so much on a day-to-day basis about human life, is also thinking on an eternal basis of human life. He's thinking what we call eschatologically, he's thinking about the end time, he's thinking about our end time, about the end time and our well-being. And that outcome, he says, should be our biggest concern. And living faithfully with courage in all circumstances will get us there. So what's Jesus' fundamental teaching in this regard? People, hey, don't fear what the world can do to you. Don't fear that. Just fear God. For what God can do to you. <laughs> so, finally, before I retire, a fire and brimstone sermon. <laughs> Get down on your knees! The coming judgment of God, which can destroy the soul, is more to be feared than the present judgments of the human courts. I shouldn't be too light about this, because what if Jesus is right? And isn't the whole preposition of why we're here is because Jesus is right? (laughs) Right? I mean, that's why we're here aren't we? Not that Jesus is right most of the time or some of the time or at least right once and I like where he's right once and so I'm here and I'm calling him lord and savior. This fear of god which we moderns take and define that word fear as awe and due respect. But I think Jesus is is having a little something more emotionally uncertain in that word of awe and due respect. It sets the disciples free to be all they can be as courageous witnesses to what is good and noble and just and right. Encouragement to do all of that lies in the awareness that it's ultimately God who we have to deal with. Ultimately, it's God. And if we are faithful, well, if we're faithful, we really have nothing to fear. Nothing in this life or in the life to come, can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We have nothing to fear, for we are saved by grace through faith. So, we're all squirming in our seats because this really is a modern dilemma for all of us. We, we uh more... Uh, Open minded, rational, enlightened Christians that we are, right? This is our modern dilemma. So let me ask you some thought provoking questions. Does anybody fear judgment anymore? Does anyone look out upon the course of human history or the course of the world right now around the globe? Does anybody look at all of that and fear the wrath of God for how humans are? Does anyone believe in hell anymore and fear they might end up there? Now, you know, I've heard, you, you've heard me say, I don't believe in hell. You've heard me say that probably from the pulpit, if not from my classes. But you've also heard me say there's, there's something going on with God about intimacy or lack of intimacy, about closeness and embracing in that grace of God and not. There's something to hell. There's something to the spiritual reality of hell that we might no longer picture as in the center of the gir- of earth, right? Just like we might not picture heaven as above the fifth cloud 3 degrees left of, you know, Polaris. Have we gotten Have we gotten so big on God's grace? that we hold no regard anymore for God's judgment. Will God's grace cover all our tracks even if well, even if we're not too faithful anymore. Won't that grace make it okay for me? You know, I have spent over 45 years, I think so, I'm going to be challenged to count them up because somebody asked me for sure, but I think it's over 45 years preaching God's grace and how we are to love God, not out of fear, but out of gratitude for God's love us we are to have a faith due to love not due to fear and I still think that's right in the general kind of most of the time Yet I think a lot about a just God. And I take seriously what Jesus is talking about with eschaton and being in oneness with God. Jesus, for all the many, many things he has said to us that we take so easily to heart, Jesus also says to us, do not lose sight of the fullness of God. Creator, Redeemer, Alpha, Omega, and also Judge. And Jesus says this because Jesus believes God is not mocked. So Jesus is saying, yeah, keep this in mind amid all the other things, keep this in mind also, and live accordingly. And it will free you, it will free you from false fears and encourage you and empower you, To do what's right, like it did my disciples, he says. To do what's right and to live holy. Because when you have God in the right perspective, you can live and let love lead all that you do fearlessly. And that's my hope for you, he says. My hope for you. Amen.